Sakai is actually a it's a cybersecurity company, and what it's trying to do is use quantum technology to accelerate artificial intelligence. Um, so it's actually twofold. We're, we're using quantum technology to improve upon existing cryptography. I think it's better to discern between quantum computing and quantum accelerated hardware. So there's two different streams. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Pitch Cafe podcast. Today's episode is super thrilling because we're going to talk about quantum computing and quantum computers and the ecosystem around it. Uh, I've been excited for quantum computing for a while now. I know this is the age where everywhere we hear about cryptocurrencies, NFTs, tokenizing, but hey, what is it that can come and eat into the crypto, the blockchain, and uh, this whole new world uh, of decentralized technologies? So quantum computing is a superpower in more than one ways. And today we have with us Rahul Tyagi. He's an entrepreneur in the quantum computing space. He's so young and it baffles me how somebody so young has ventured into something uh, so humongous. So without further ado, let's bring on Rahul Tyagi, uh, who's currently based in the uh, UK, but and also educated in the UK, but his startup is based out of Silicon Valley. So these two uh, ecosystems are burgeoning with cutting edge technology for a while now. I've been tapping into the trends. So uh, without further ado, Rahul, welcome to uh, the podcast Pitch Cafe. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So Rahul, uh, let's get started with your latest venture, Sikai. Tell us all about it and how you got into uh, this startup ecosystem. You're a student, you're a fresh graduate almost. What got you into uh, this startup ecosystem, especially for quantum? It seems high risk, It's you know, and uh, lots of uncertainty associated with it. Yeah, so um, the reason, uh, so Sakai is actually a, it's a cybersecurity company and what it's trying to do is use quantum technology to accelerate artificial intelligence. Um, so it's actually twofold, we're, we're using quantum technology to improve upon existing cryptography and then mm -hmm. the second part of it is using quantum technologies to accelerate artificial intelligence. So the reason why uh, we've kind of gone down this path and why I've gone down this path is because the the in the grand scheme of things from a cyber point of view we know in the next couple of years there's been well in the past couple of years there's been quite a lot of innovation in the quantum computing space and we know what risk that poses to the existing encryption standards mm -hmm. where we see the industry moving to in the next two to three years is an area where you have uh, further scalable quantum computing further error corrected quantum computing that can be applied to crack existing encryption standards it's no longer the case that it's just a, a couple of research entities that are focused on developing these technologies. It's now a case of a multitude of different startups as well as large-scale corporations that are working on this tech. And a lot of it is also government-backed research. So you have governments also competing in this space. So you have US research, you've got Russian research, Chinese research, all working towards 
uh, uh, developing quantum computing. So what this means from a cyber point of view is we, we need to create a method by which we can protect um, nations as well as corporations against these uh, encryption ch challenges. One method of doing that is by creating a quantum entropy source. So using entropy to, to protect your, your, your data. So there's two kind of key types of cryptography where you've got public key, key cryptography and you've got um, symmetric key. So if we look at symmetric key, that's quite simple because all you have to do is you have to generate a key and encrypt your data and store the key somewhere safe. The second one, which is, post, uh, which is um, public key cryptography, the big issue there is we, we know there's flaws within it. We know that there's issues with it, which is why the, the National Institute for Standards and Technology in the US is currently working on defining what post-quantum encryption algorithms will be to encrypt your, your information. These post-quantum encryption algorithms will protect against those quantum computing threats. So that's one of the things that we at Sakai are working on is developing a quantum entropy source for those post-quantum encryption algorithms. So, uh, so uh, this is amazing. You are at the intersection of cybersecurity, AI, and quantum computing. Is that correct? So, three technology, hot technology trends are converging. Now, uh, governments are in on this. Looks like quantum is applica applicable at a scale, or can it be applied for small problems? Is it is it a technology meant for scale? It, it is really predominantly focused on scale. The, the issue at this moment in time is if you're looking at just purely quantum computing, it's being done by such a small number, a small number of um, companies, whether they be large or small, but getting access to some of those systems is still a difficult task. There's a lot of um, the, the price of one of these systems is vast. So trying to use it for a small scale problem is inefficient because it's, it's too costly. So you really target the, the large scale problems for this. So let me let me give you an analogy. When the space technology was evolving, it was started by the Russians and the US, right? So the, this components, the technology and the launch pads were shared between nations. So quantum is very much like space technology in that sense. And, and even space technology was embraced by the governments first because it was accelerating and supporting, you know, a climate and also the, uh, it was related to defense. So, um, so in that sense, what kind of support have you received from the government? Uh, I mean, the, the quantum technologies themselves, I mean, not, not your startup per se. Yeah, so in terms of the, the, the government help that's out there for quantum based technologies, so I think it's better to discern between quantum computing and quantum accelerated hardware. So there's two different streams. So if we look at um, both, there is enough grants available for companies that are working in the space. And that's been the key incentive mechanism for governments is by providing these grants. They mm -hmm. already know themselves that innovating internally is a difficult thing to do. But if you innovate using commercial entities, it becomes a better, better, better proposition. We, it, if we look back to the space program, at that time, it was better for governments to work just purely internally with a couple of government contractors. Nowadays, it, the, the focus has shifted towards working more and more with commercial companies because the greatest innovation happens by, by commercial entities these days. There could be government research or, or government-backed research that happens, but a lot of the, the, the fundamental work is done by these, these commercial companies. So 
if 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 there is if there are quantum startups out there that are looking to to enter into the ecosystem there are there are a number of different grants available i mean from the uk side there's the innovate system um mm-hmm. the innovate system out there is it, 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 it's a it's a method for applying for grants whereby you you put a proposition through and then if you're successful you get given the 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 funds to then produce the thing that you requested for so there there is quite a lot of support the thing that i would mention is that a lot of these large scale quantum companies aren't necessarily just just backed by government there's also a lot of private funds going into quantum computing now um, yeah. and into quantum accelerated hardware as well yeah i think uh, even the the seed funding or the series a funding the amount is really large especially for the hardware companies if if i'm not not wrong it's at least 50 to 100 million even series a is very large right yeah so it's it's very interesting because the the it really depends on the type of technology that's being applied but for the for some of the quantum computing companies yes the the, the amount of money that's being plugged into these is, is huge and it really will be a case of looking at which technology technology is applied in in which area and what it's most useful for so right. at this stage we don't necessarily know which one's going to win the competition and if anyone's actually going to win the competition because there may be certain types of compute that will be better applied to certain situations versus others right. so it's still it's still a bit of a guessing game at this moment in time and a lot of people are hedging their bets by putting their capital into multiple different entities now from the from the quantum accelerated hardware side what we're starting to see is um foundries for quantum accelerated hardware so especially when we're talking about silicon photonics based hardware there's yes. a lot of companies out there that will print silicon photonics for you and it's now just down to the design uh, that's provided by by a startup so as an example for us we're not looking at going down the route of manufacturing ourselves we're mm-hmm. more likely to partner with someone to manufacture because it's better for us as a as a commercial entity we focus on that central ip and then they'll focus on the actual production mechanisms behind the 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 development so it's it's quite like how we we now have the traditional silicon market it's it's right. the same sort of concept that's being applied there mm-hmm. with so, with quantum computing though mm-hmm. so just just to add just with quantum computing though i think we're still quite far from getting to that point we're still we still need to know which experiment will pan out fantastic so um you know if i if i think about quantum as a disruptive technology and you know if i'm uh, looking at the projections of when this disruptive technology is going to become commoditized like uh, accessible to everyone what is the length of time you're thinking you know how long is it going to take for it to be available probably on my cell phone or um you know be commoditized because uh, uh, all technologies go through this phase silicon went to this phase ai went through this phase and now uh, blockchain and nft are getting there but uh, quantum is you know going to eat into the blockchain so how far are we thinking you know uh, in terms of commoditization of quantum how far ahead is that uh, going to happen so- Yeah, I'm going to split it into two again with the quantum accelerated hardware and quantum computing. So quantum accelerated hardware, you can procure some devices today that are quantum accelerated hardware. They fit within a a small one U server. So they exist there. They, they don't exist at the moment in phones necessarily. There there are some um companies that are looking at that and there's the most recent acquisition I think by I think it was Samsung who have acquired a quantum company uh, and their chip is embedded within the phone. Um wow. but i think 
but so so quantum accelerated hardware for sure is around today mm-hmm. quantum computing however that mm-hmm. we're talking much longer time scales it's it's more the 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 10 year mark for it to be commoditized for people's use the the one thing that I would, as a, as a caveat caveat to that is um the the availability of quantum computing we're more, more likely to see it to, as being a cloud-based solution that people can access and we've already seen that with yes. with IBM system and other systems out there where you can access remotely um but I would still say we're not at the stage of it being truly commoditized I think we've still got quite a long way until it is truly commoditized sure and uh, one of the things I I was uh, wondering uh, about was what kind of problems is quantum technology really uh, suitable for you know what is it that uh would be a good problem for example data centric uh problems are suitable for ai anything to do with large amounts of data and learning patterns you know ai is really the technology uh, to harness similarly what kind of problems sh- should quantum technologists go after or you know find a suitable I mean, there's, there, there is a lot of investigation around the machine learning um, aspect. There's a lot of stuff around uh, mimicking quantum systems as well, because naturally the quantum computer will be better at it. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of capabilities out there. I think from what we've seen on what we've applied our quantum entropy hardware on is an acceleration in machine learning. So mm-hmm. we've already seen that with some of the stuff that we're working on. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's, I think the biggest impact because AI is going to be one of the biggest areas that will impact industries across the board and is impacting today. Mm-hmm. So I think the combination of quantum and AI together is a thing that really will will differentiate um across industries. And mm-hmm. we're talking from drug discovery and drug development um to through to even from a finance side really like looking at algorithmic risk selection stuff. It's that's where it can really really play into it. Anything where there's a probabilistic um capability that's where it will really really shine fantastic so it looks like um the hardware and the uh, the the technology they're both catching up and converging and um the pool of problems if 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 they are at a very large scale that's where quantum is applicable now um you mentioned that uh, you know corporations are getting into it uh, as well you know you mentioned samsung just now how can startups partner with corporations and accelerate this whole process what are some of your thoughts yeah so i can i can only really talk to to our experience but i what i would say is um looking at some of the now again i'm going to discern between quantum computing and quantum accelerated hardware but with quantum computing the the large scale providers are trying to find um corporations to to play plug into Right now there's a lot of exploratory work that's going on so a lot of the big consultancy companies out there are working with a lot of big corporates to try and figure out what are the problems and challenges that they can really solve for. Right. Again, I would still say the, the definitive solution hasn't been found yet. It's mm-hmm. still more exploratory. Um until until we reach a a good enough size of these computers, I think we're still going to be in that exploratory phase. I think once we reach a good size on those computers, we can then migrate over to starting to really see the benefit of these systems in in the real world quantum accelerated hardware however we can already see the benefit so in terms of how to go about partnering the best way is typically just approaching some of these companies seeing the problems that they're working on themselves 
identifying how your technology can really improve it and then uh, proposing a, a method and a lot of a, a lot of the work can be done as partnerships or or um or um, small kind of test cases for them yeah. to to see uh, a lot of these organizations have moved towards innovation labs and that can be quite a nice way of playing into these companies yeah i think innovation labs and academia uh, ac innovation labs in the industry and academia have to come together and uh, the only way uh, this can be accelerated is through startup ecosystems because startups are focused the resources are completely you know a laser sharp uh, pinpointed to uh, one particular problem so with that uh, you know uh, sikai is one such startup which is accelerating this whole process in cybersecurity. And, uh, uh, you know, can, can you tell us a little bit more about where you're at with your startup and uh, what specific products and services are you focusing on right now? Yeah, so um, where we're at is we're, we're looking to use the quantum entropy hardware that we've got to accelerate our, our artificial intelligence. Um, and that artificial intelligence is being applied in the security space, essentially to protect organizations. Where What we've done so far is we've already done um, some detailed proof of concepts on the AI acceleration. We've benchmarked our results. And one of the key things, and this is one of the pieces of advice that I'd give to any startup is to ensure if you're running any software, ensure that the software and the measures that you're using are agnostic of the hardware. That way, when you're comparing like for, when you're comparing like for like, you can actually truly compare like for like. A key example is if you're running machine learning on one system versus another, the time to train absolute number can be different from system to system. Yeah. So the best way to actually measure it is by by looking at other other measures that can really discern that. So what we've done is we've already done that benchmarking exercise, shown what improvements we've had, and now we're working on our core acceleration. So we've, we've looked at convolutional neural networks. We've looked at... Um, generative ad adversarial networks as well as part of that discussion. Um, and we've looked at the improvements we've had in there. And now we're moving on to our third phase, which unfortunately I cannot go into to more detail about, but we're, 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 we're looking at the acceleration that we can get out from that as well. That sounds fantastic. Uh, you know, um, I know for sure that Google has invested a lot of uh, resources on uh, just studying the hardware uh, acceleration on uh, machine learning applications which run on the phone uh, for AlphaGo. I mean, uh, you name it. There are a lot more uh, applications like DeepMind. Uh, they have invested a lot of resources. So hardware is certainly the pivotal, uh, you know, uh, key here of, for adoption as well as for adoption at scale. Now, um, my question was, what is the sustainability and carbon footprint aspect of this? Because I know. Uh, it's a huge trend, you know, climate change is at the forefront, quantum is used for studying climate change problems, you know, for, for creating twins. So what kind of carbon footprint do quantum computers have? And is it is it good news uh, out there? Is it good news brewing for us? So um, I'm going to again split the conversation into the two uh, so quantum computing wise there's if you're looking at cryogenic based ones it requires a huge amount of energy resource to cool these computers down heat them back up and cool them back down i mean the the thing to remember is if there's a problem in your computer and it's cooled to to um to extremely cold temperatures you need to then warm it back up to then try and fix it and then right. cool it back down right. so there's, there's issues definitely today in those sorts of quantum computing 
much less so on the photonic side. And then on the quantum accelerated side, what we've seen from some of the stuff that we've done is that even from a machine learning use case point of view, when we're running the quantum entropy for that machine learning, yeah. we've seen a reduction in the energy use required to run learning algorithms. So, so we're not using... Mm -hmm. Quantum photonics and uh, this uh, is, is, it looks like a good start there for... for uh... Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So and silicon it's... photonics. Yeah, silicon, silicon photonics. photonics has... Yeah, so it's, re it's really shown a decrease in the energy consumption. And we've been... We've actually been measuring it in our in, in the lab that we're working in to figure out how much energy are we consuming less. And one of the things is actually twofold. So one is when you're training your machine learning algorithm, how much time are you saving? And therefore, how much energy are you saving in that time to learn? Right. And then the second part is when you're actually running the algo in real world scenarios where it's trained and it's now running in the real world, are you able to use quantum hardware to accelerate it such that because you're relying on photons and probabilistic compute, you're using less energy. And that's one of the key focuses that we're doing in Sakai as well, is to look at using silicon photonics to reduce down the energy consumption of machine learning. Fantastic. So you have, uh, you're doing all the right things. You know, you're, uh, looks like it's a very promising trajectory. Uh, any last thoughts before we wrap up the podcast? Uh, and, you know, you a message for the youth entrepreneurs who are, who are looking at quantum computing uh, to venture into? Yeah, I think the, the, the thing that I would say is it's not as scary as it looks um, because there's a lot of hesitancy when you when yeah. someone mentions the word quantum, you normally get a lot of blank faces. Um, so I think there's a bit of an aversion to quantum. I think the, the big thing is just, just start reading about it and looking into it, um, understanding how it works and what it does because that's the best way to get, get away from that aversion. It, it is a technology that is gonna be used in the next couple of years and you're gonna hear more and more about it. So it, it's better to, to get on board and understand it today than, than to wait a couple of years and, and then get it when it's, uh, when it's too late. So what was the purpose which, which inspired you? you know, what was really the purpose? Like what, what keeps you awake at night? What, what gets you up in the morning when you think about your startup? Yeah, so I think there's there's a couple of things. I think the first one is the quantum work that we're doing. Um, seeing how it will be used in the next two years or so really, really shows the, the kind of need for this kind of technology. But the second part of it is we've created this piece of hardware and we're seeing the benefits in many different disciplines from software. And when you realize exactly the use, even though we're using cybersecurity today as our use case, you see the, the realm of possibility that this, yeah. this next set of hardware will provide. And I think that's the key differentiator for us. It's not, yes, we might be using it for security, but when you look at the grander scheme of things, yeah. if you can accelerate machine learning overall and make it more accurate and reduce the amount of energy, you've opened up a whole host of different problems that you can be applied to and solve for, whether that be in digital pathology or or protein folding or, or many, many different industries. So that's the real thing that drives us and drives the company. And every every breakthrough that we have, um, sometimes we get scared and have to double check our results to make sure that they are true. Um, but every breakthrough that we're having we're, is the thing that really drives us and, and gets us excited about it. Fantastic. So uh, wishing you a, a, a lots of luck 
and success in your current venture. Rahul, thank you so much for the, the uh, uh, time you spent with us. It was very informative and also inspiring. And I hope it will inspire many youth to venture into the quantum world. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much.